This is the Michael K. Show podcast. Listen live weekday afternoon starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York. The ESPN app, the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker. Hey Alexa, play 98.7 ESPN. The Michael K. Show. Go to Carmen in Syracuse. You guys are my favorite. My wife, she records it when I'm at work so I can Uh come and watch you guys. Mike, my wife loves you, okay? Uh If she could divorce me and marry you, she would be happy. I'm flattered. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, well, let me ask you. Is, is, is great is that, taste. Well, uh, listen, I, I'm yep. going to go there, and you can yell at me if you want to. Is that why she DVRs it, to help out in the bedroom? Oh, oh my God. Boy. Boy. Yes. Don't. yes. I, well, if wow. it does, he's going to watch it, then you know, guess what? Then that's hey, great. You can watch you it all night long. It, right? There you go. All right. Good for you. The Michael K. Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, yeah. What a first hour. That one goes right to the Marconi people. Really does. I don't know. The Knicks with a win yesterday. Got a little hairy, more than you want against a team that lost 16 in a row. But they've got some good players. I think the Pistons will be good in a couple of years. Right now, they're not. But, um, you know, I don't think we should be grading the Knicks on style points, everybody. Win is a win is a win. You know, they had a four-game homestand. They went three and one. And the game they lost was on a last-second great shot uh, by Devin Booker. So the Knicks, I think, are playing very, very well. I'm intrigued to see how they do tonight against Toronto on a back-to-back. And then on Tuesday in Milwaukee in the uh, the playing tournament. That's going to be an interesting play because Milwaukee's better. That's a team that's in front of them. That's not um, on the Knicks level. It's, it's a higher level. Can the Knicks pick it up and play a great game, a perfect game, and knock them off and move to Vegas? I don't know. We'll see. But... Um, I don't, I don't, if you're a Nick fan, I don't think there's much you could really complain about this year. They, they played pretty well. Another no, great game by Brunson yesterday and almost a triple-double by Randall. Uh, they kept DiVincenzo in the entire fourth quarter. He had three big threes. They're a good team. They are. Are they one of the best teams? No. But I'd say they're in the top top ten in the NBA. Wouldn't you agree, Don? Yeah, their ceiling is, I think, a, a, a three-seed in the conference and maybe get a couple of wins in the postseason round-wise. I, I think that's their ceiling. Three-seed conference final. I would agree. Probably maybe be a four-seed and get bounced in the second round, like somewhere in that range. Unless they make some sort of a move or something emerges or there's an injury to one of the other teams. They're not the Celtics. They're not the Bucks. Now, I understand that the Bucks are a little bit behind them, but I think the Bucks will find it. And the Sixers are interesting because will they be able to maintain? So that's why I think it could be between three and four. Between the Bucks and the Sixers, I think somebody might fall off. I don't think they're the Celtics, though. I, I don't think the Bucks are the Sixers. And you know, the, the Sixers' success makes me so happy because it just makes James Harden look so bad. Tyrese Maxey is an absolute stud, and that's why Joel Embiid is not going to ask to be traded. To play with a guy like Maxey, he's, he's done an unbelievable job. I think those three teams that you mentioned, Don, are the class of the league. And then the Knicks have to battle a couple of other teams to be the number four team. I don't think they're the number three team. I think they could be the number right. four team. Now, there's some interesting stories. Like, the Pacers have been an interesting story. Like, they're going to have to really keep it going. But you got to like them. And it's not like they hadn't faced adversity. R.J. Barrett's missed time. You had Randall basically be ineffective for the first, like, almost felt like seven, eight games of the season. But when they're clicking, they're, they're a really good basketball team. And they have a great bench, which well, sells you something. And, it, and it, it, it's applied it quickly. See, the dilemma is quickly. 
because you know what, what what's going to end up happening with him long term. But he comes off the bench. He's been like consistent. I, I don't know what he averaging like around twenty points. Right? He's coming off the bench as you said. DiVincenzo's been good. Hartenstein's been really good when he comes in for Robinson. They've 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 got a really nice team. But and they've got guys on the bench that don't even play that are good. I mean, Evan Fournier would start on a lot of teams in the NBA. He doesn't even play. He doesn't get a sniff. So yeah. I think the Knicks have done well. Now, on the other side of the ledger, if you're the Nets, you can't lose that game. I mean, Charlotte is dreadful. They're dreadful. They, they're their best player well, might be out for the whole season, and yeah, you lose that game out. at home? And then, you know, because it's the Nets and we don't give them as much play, the Simmons deal, I mean, good. He's missed 11 games already. Oh, and Jock Vaughn said yesterday, you know, we'll, we'll have more information on Saturday. Now, if you're delaying it till Saturday to tell us what's wrong with the guys, probably not good information, right? right. I mean, if, if people have to be delusional to keep trotting out Zach Wilson, how do you describe what it is to still have hope for Ben Simmons? Because Ben Simmons, uh, it's a good question, Peter, but Ben Simmons has proven when healthy, he's an effective NBA player. He's a Sometimes great defender. So. And Sometimes a good ball distributor. Yeah, well, when he's healthy, mean, he's a good player. I think he's just never healthy. But what do you? But what do you mean by healthy too? Because there have been times when he seemed to be physically healthy, but couldn't play anymore. Well, I and mean, he, he he had supposedly had mental issues that he had he had to get through, which he has, and then he had back surgery. So I don't think he's faking. He's just unable to stay healthy. So I mean, it's just they got another year of this guy at over forty million dollars. That was a bad trade for Harden. Awful. That's his, one of those his, things where you tell Harden, you either play for us or you don't play. You know what's remarkable? In, in, in 17, 18, and 18, 19, Ben Simmons averaged uh, 16 and 8 his rookie year, mm-hmm. 17 and 8 his second year. Um, in, in 2019, he, he was still 16 points and 8 assists, and then a bit down in 2020 before he came to the Nets, but still 14 and 7. Think. Since then, it's been nothing. He's never been close. He had, he missed an entire year. Um, he's played a combined 48 games since he got here, and he's averaged seven points a game. But, Michael, think about that, the deal that he pulled, given kind of what he'd shown and then what he's shown since. It's one of the great coups in player history. Oh, it's a great contract. It's a terrible contract for the team, but somehow the Sixers were able to move it. And then, you know, they got stuck with Harden. But Ben Simmons can play. When he's healthy. And again, you, you hope that it's a... It's, but Michael, it's that's a, starting to be such a long time ago. I, mean, I know. You're right. What do you mean? I mean, can he play? I mean, Don, do you hear what I'm saying? I, I can play. I, I can knock down three-pointers. I haven't hit one in seven I, years. I but. think, yeah, I, I think because of the injuries, I don't know if you can really honestly think, Michael, that you can tap back into that again. Maybe but he when can. he played at the beginning of this year, he played well. But then he's hurt again. Like, I get I, it. I don't. I don't think there's any question when I say tap into it. Just meaning that he's gonna guy. He's gonna guy. Give you sixty five, seventy games a year. I don't think he's capable of doing that anymore. It's and a if shame. You do it great. Fine. Can you plan on it? Well, I mean, for, for the record, though, Michael, even even in the games this year that you liked how he played, and he mm-hmm. did give them ten rebounds a game and, and seven assists. It's six points. Now, this is not who the guy was supposed to be, even when it's a good version of him. Well, the, the he just worst, doesn't pull the trigger anymore. Well, be, you know why? The worst part about him, other than the injuries, I mean, he's a dreadful free throw shooter who always has that the too. ball in his hand. I mean, if, if you're a center like 
Mitchell Robinson, you can't shoot free throws, you can live with it. This guy is distributing the ball. He's got the ball in his hand all the time. He is going to go to the line. So, I mean, that was a deal where the Nets had to get rid of Harden. He wanted to go to Philly, and they had to make the salaries match, and they took this guy back. Because the Nets, for the most part, have some good players on their team. And if they had Ben Simmons healthy, and I know what the guys are saying, uh, that's like wishing upon a star. If they had him healthy, they'd be a playoff team, or at least a play-in team. But they're battling, scratching, and clawing to be at 500, and he's missed 11 games. And they say, it's a left lower back nerve impingement. It has nothing to do with the surgery. Really? He had surgery on the back. Now there's an impingement in the back, but it has nothing to do with the surgery. Okay. I'll play play along. I knew it. We've been together a while. Yeah. Let's go to Louie in uh, New Jersey. Louie. Louie. Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, what's up? I got This is something to do with basketball. I got... I'm, I call to tell you I'm 80, not because I know more than you, I saw more. And my wife thinks I'm nuts calling. I want to tell you what I heard the other day, and this really bothers me. Right. I'm watching Kevin Smith with Russo, and this guy comes out a couple of days a week, big ex-ball player. Now, his opinion is this. I went nuts. Mahone is the best mm-hmm. quarterback ever. And the tight end is the best quarterback ever. How can you make that statement when you see the new rules with that? I can't believe you said that. Well, well I mean, it's hard to it's hard to now. Uh, I hear what you're saying. It, it's hard to you know compare generations because the rules were different. But I, I don't think it's that outrageous to say that Patrick Mahomes is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and that Travis Kelsey is one of the greatest tight ends right. ever. With the rules that they play under, they're extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, you can make your, your case about how the rules make it an unfair comp, and I think all of us can say, sure, we, we hear you. But for someone to watch th- the kid play football and say, I've never seen anyone play quarterback like that, it's the best I've ever seen, and to say the same about Kelsey, it, Don, it, you'd agree. It's, a to- it's an argument you can absolutely have. It's not yeah. a crazy argument. But, but, but um, to, to talk about the, t- the tight end position, I think, is, is a lot. It's kind of unfair what he's saying, because really the tight end has emerged into a legitimate threat, I'd say, over what, Peter, about 20, 20 30, years. 25 years, something like that. So I think you can say they're the best, because the guys back in the past, they, they weren't utilized like this. But it's all just part of the, you know, the game. Game always evolves. There's always, there's always going to be that caveat, what would he have done if he played in that era? Same thing, with, could Ruth play today? Like, but... To say that Patrick Mahomes is not one of the best quarterbacks ever because of the year he plays in, I think is completely unfair. Let's go to um, Anthony and Glencove. Hey, how you guys doing? Let's put a smile on your face. It's Football Friday, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Let's smile. All right, I got, I got two things. One, the first thing being, would, what, would you guys bring back Joe Douglas? Uh... Yeah, unless unless you're getting rid of the everybody, including Rogers, I, I would bring back I would bring back Douglas because if you if you get another GM, doesn't he deserve to have his own coach? Yeah, that's true. I, I agree. So I you'd agree. bring him I, back too. I I would I would bring him back if you're bringing back Rogers, which I feel like they already have the chips in place for that. So at that point, you got to tie them both together. So I guess he will be back, right? I think they're going to run it back. So I don't think they're making any changes. The greatest Maybe. job security for Douglas and Sala is number eight. But I think there's yeah, more yeah, security I, for Douglas than Sala. Just because Sala's a defensive guy. So if they wanted to make the change, maybe Rodgers wouldn't complain about it as much. But changing a general manager when you're, when you're trying to win right now, 
Because it, it, it takes a general manager like a year or two to put his own imprint on the team. Rodgers doesn't have that kind of time. But if they were saying, nah, I think I want to let Salah go, I don't think Rodgers would fight as much, unless he just really loves him. But how much does really Salah really him. impact Rodgers? I think he really likes him. Well, then, then he's going to stay, most likely. Let's go to Eric and Clifton. Um, hi, guys. I was telling the uh, call screener that I said I think it's that uh, Robert Sala has gotten like the biggest raw deal I can remember because uh, I was telling I'm an Eagles fan and I saw how close Andy Reid had come mm-hmm. um, all those years, but I didn't think McNabb was that guy. And then to see Andy Reid go to the Chiefs and pair up with Mahomes, it was like it's like football, so many moving parts. It's like one can't survive without the other. And I think Sala is just like such a great like face of the franchise guy, always calm and collected and good with the media. And all he needs is like a solid offensive coordinator and, uh, I mean, a semblance of a quarterback. And, you know, I just think he got such a bad deal in, um, in New York. I, I tend to agree with you, Eric. I don't think that anybody in their right mind could really, really judge Sala off the last couple of years. Uh, now, I don't know how much of Salah's fingerprints were on picking Zach Wilson, but the, the selection of Zach Wilson started this, this downtrend with this organization. I'm going to say another thing, Donna Peter. You might disagree. All right. Everybody's jumping. Nathaniel Hackett hasn't had a quarterback all year, and they jumped LaFleur last year. He just got an extension with the Rams. They like him so much over there. You can't judge an offensive coordinator if they don't have a quarterback. Zach Wilson has been a terrible quarterback, and you're judging Nathaniel Hackett. And and I know what people are going to say. Well, he was terrible last year with uh, with the uh, with Broncos. He wasn't the offensive coordinator. The head co- Robert Sala's not the defensive coordinator of the Jets. He's the mm-hmm. CEO of the Jets. Nathaniel well, Hackett was the CEO of the Broncos. To defend us, though. We had we haven't really been going after Hackett that much. But you it know was, the it, fan base has. Well, yeah, and Orlovsky certainly did. I mean, we were on this show. Well, we've been of the mindset that there's no one who can play quarterback. Orlovsky's got you know, he's almost got no choice but to criticize Hackett. He's been so complimentary of, of Zach, and if you're not scoring points and doing anything and eventually getting benched, then it's got it's got to be somebody's fault. It's either Hackett or it's the quarterback. But the thing is, the quarterback stunk last year under a different offensive coordinator who just got an extension with LA. So, do I think Hackett's done a great job? No, I think you got to do. You got to be a little bit better than this. But uh, I think I think it, when you're when you're this epically bad, there's oh, usually more than just one reason. Offensive line is stunk. Quarterback is stunk. Play calling is stunk. Everything has been awful. Let's go to Janine in Colonia. Janine. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. How, how are, are you? you? Good. Um, I actually wanted to make this call uh, a couple weeks ago, but I couldn't get through. Um, I just always wanted to say how much I agree with Don on the tanking thing. I'm a Giants fan, and I just physically can't do it. Like, I I could never watch a game and just root against them. I know it's better if they lose for the draft. But I just, I just couldn't do it, and I always wanted to let Don know. I'm like, I'm so with you on that. Well, I appreciate that. I can't do it either. But you yeah, know what? It, you, you know what it allows you to do, Janine. It, it, what? It, you're in a no lose situation. If you're a Giant fan, you shouldn't root for them to lose. But if they lose, the good part is, you know what? We're going to get a good draft pick. That's the way you have to look at it. But to sit there and root That's for them to lose, I, I don't get that. Yeah, I can't do that either. I don't know anyone who can actually do that. No, I agree. Exactly. I mean, you know, like the middle of the draft, we need to do better anyway. I mean, like the fact that we took Darius Tony over 
Parsons still makes me physically sick. It should. It Did you should. see him last night? Yeah. Oh my God, he he very is good. very good. Last yeah. play, the, I mean, the last, he he's beyond the good. I, I don't know what Michael Parsons is. He's the best. He's incredible. And if you allow me, just one more thing, Don. Sure. You doing the Knicks the Knicks games? Great. Oh, thank really. you. No, I really appreciate it, that. It, that means a lot. You're no, a Nick it, fan? Yeah, big Nick fan. I just put some money on uh on quickly being winning the sixth man, so see how that goes. Well listen, it's early, but you know, you go out there averaging twenty points coming off the bench at times the way he has, there's a very good possibility of that. Now speaking of the the Knicks tonight, uh it's being listed that Julius Randle is questionable uh with right knee inflammation. This is a guy who plays all the time. So I don't know exactly what that means, but he yeah. plays all the time. I know. Well, he played right down almost to the nub against the, the Hornets because of the, the stupid point differential thing. You hope it didn't happen then. Let's go to Anthony in New Jersey. Anthony. What's up, guys? How, How you doing? You? Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Michael, I love when you're fired up. I actually want more of those holes. Oh, it's great. Okay. <laughs> and and I other thing I got to tell you is you know, you should make that guy's wife a really happy Christmas there. Give her a little tweet of a bathing suit picture. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You know what? Maybe I'll just set up an OnlyFans account. That's it. Just Maybe for the her. account. I know. Yeah. I, li- <laughs> I, I, I like the way you think, Anthony. Let's go to another Anthony uh, in his mail truck. What's up, Anthony? What's going on, gentlemen? How are we doing? Good. How are, How are you? you doing? Good, good. So I just kind of wanted to piggyback off of what you guys have said uh, all week. I, I haven't been able to get on. Um, but uh, so this Rogers thing, I just, the other day, Peter said it perfectly, I think. Um, I just think it's, I mean, we all know that it's all about him, right? But I think that he's not going to come back this year, obviously. And I think that he just wants it to be known that he was able to come back. Um, and... You know, and he's not going to, but he was able to. I just wanted to hear you guys' thoughts on that as well. Well, you know what, Anthony? If they win uh, Sunday and they win next week, well, then, you know, then we'll, the rubber meets the road. Let's see if he's really able to, because if he's able to go, he should be playing in that Miami game. Let's see, that will be really interesting, because I don't think they'd beat the Dolphins. Do you? Like Even you, with him. You can, yeah, that, that's debatable, but you could see a road of beating Atlanta, uh, Houston's really good, but uh, you know they do turn the ball over. They they haven't played great recently, so all right, you can you can wrap your mind around those two wins, but to beat Miami, I think would be tough. So, but he is threatening to come back for Miami. So if you lose to Miami, that would be it, that'd be your eighth loss. They'd still be alive for the Commanders game, even with yeah. a Miami loss. But they have but, to win the next two. But. They'd have to, yeah. They'd have to win the next two because I don't see them beating Miami. And then if you come back with the Commanders with nine losses, that that would seem silly that he would play. Well, listen up, Jet fans. Coming up in the five p.m. hour, it's your chance to score a pair of Jets tickets for this Sunday's matchup against the Falcons. We've been talking about it. It's brought to you by the New York Jets. Limited seats are available for the biggest matchups at MetLife Stadium this season. Grab your tickets at myjets.com/slash/tickets and get ready to bring the noise. The great champ, Buster Only, will join us in just a moment. The winter meetings start in Nashville on Monday, and it should be a very active winter meetings. So we'll get the lay of the land from Buster when he comes on in a moment. But first, Peter has to tell us about FanDuel. Absolutely, guys. As the winter gets colder, 
Oh, the NFL offers on FanDuel, they stay hot. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action. The app's super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Peter and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, 21 and over and physically present in New York. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame wager required. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after seat. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com for help with a gambling problem. Call 877-8-HOPE-N-Y or text OPEN-Y at 467-369. Guys, Jack Daniels has always made great whiskey, and they always will. But one thing Jack can't make more of, that's the moments. Those are on us to create. New York football fans, we only get one shot at this thing called life, so let's make sure we're making the most of every moment. Jack Daniels giving you and your friends the chance to have the ultimate tailgate experience during the NFL playoffs with me, Peter Rosenberg. Visit jacksultimatetailgateexperience.com to enter. That's jacksultimatetailgateexperience.com to enter. Jack Daniels, make it count. Jack Daniels, old number seven, to register trademarks. Please drink responsibly. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hey, buddy. Hey. Catch the show on demand wherever you want. Just subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. It's a football Friday with the Michael K. Show. Presented by Nissan and Bet365. Stop what it is right now. Yeah. Stop what it is right now. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everybody. December 1st. Full speed ahead. <laughs> Into the holidays, and next week, full speed ahead into the winter meetings, and the big names are still on the board, and rumors with trades and all that, so we thought we'd check in uh, a weekend before with our good friend Buster Only, as he joins us now. Buster, it's Michael, Don, and Peter. How you doing? What's going on? You tell me. So what do you, who do you think is the name most likely to come off the board first? Well, I think that Soto will be the first big name to be traded, and I think Otani's going to make his decision sometime in the next 96 hours. Uh, and I, I do think, as I told you guys uh, you know, a few weeks ago, Soto is going to get traded, and, and I think the Yankees are in a great position to get him uh, because of the salary, because there's so few teams who are going to be willing to take on a player making $33 million and give up prospects and watch that player walk away as a free agent as a client of Scott Boris. Um, you know, a few years ago when the Red Sox traded Mookie Betts, there was a lot of criticism. They didn't get a great package. The reality of that situation, Mookie was a year from free agency, and the fact is the Red Sox didn't have a lot of choices. There weren't a lot of teams involved in that bidding, and the Padres are in the exact same situation right now with Juan Soto. They're just are not going to be – there's not going to be a wide range of teams out there saying, yeah, we're willing to give up a bunch of players and pay that kind of salary. So I, I do think the Yankees, you know, in the end, uh, you know, are, are in a good position. We'll see if another team jumps in. And Otani, uh, look, I, I, you know, folks who know him really believe that he's known for a long time where he wants to go. But, uh, you know, his agent, Nez Balelo, has to do the dog and pony show to try to goose the bidding. We'll see where he winds up. I, I thought all along that the Dodgers were the favorite, and, you know, we'll see. Is, is the, the specter of him signing with the Toronto Blue Jays real? I, I don't know for sure. 
but uh, you know, I think I think he in the end winds up going with a, a place, a team in a warm market. Just just going back to Soto for a second, Buster. So the the only positive for the Red Sox that they got out of the Betts deal was they piggybacked David Price's salary. Could the Yankees do that with Stanton and maybe eat some of Stanton's salary? Because I know that the reason they're trading Soto is because they have to shed money. Is there any way the Yankees could piggyback a salary if they give them a top-flight prospect? Well, I think it would be really hard because, of course, Stanton has a full no-trade clause. And he, he would control that process. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I wondered about that, too. Like, would they be able to – is there some sort of salary that they could take on to even it out and – you know, maybe they would work something else out. The the one thing that uh, another thing that bodes well, I think, for the Yankees is is that the Padres, from what everyone says, they're looking for cheap major leaguers. You know, their their uh, general manager AJ Preller uh, has been there a long time, and his patron saint was Peter Seidler, who just passed away recently. And the perception in the industry is is that AJ essentially has one year to prove it to the new stores of the Padres. And so he needs to have a good year. He can't trade uh, Soto for a bunch of 17, 18-year-olds. He's going to be looking for guys who are in the cusp of the big leagues or already big leaguers. And the the Yankees actually have a decent array of those type of guys. This just doesn't feel like a Brian Cashman move to me, though. So would it be coming from Hal, or would Brian thinking differently? No, I, I and I would agree with you, except I think that they're just under a special kind of pressure right now. And Soto, let's face it, would absolutely check every single box. Left-handed hitter, patience, uh, you know, track record, all of that. Uh, I, and I, as I mentioned, I think that the price tag, as we saw with the, you know, the Dodgers in the bet situation, didn't turn out to be that high. I think it's going to be a similar situation here where folks are going to, you know, remember what the Padres gave up to get Soto and they're going to look at the package the Padres get back, whatever that turns out to be, and go, really? That's all it took? Because it's just not going to be a big appetite. The one thing I'd say, and I hear this from evaluators all the time about Soto and, and the question of how he would do New York, you guys remember when he went to the Padres, he wasn't very good for a couple of months. There was a perception that there was a you know that there was an adjustment period that he felt the pressure of being that guy uh you know going to a new market proving himself to new teammates and maybe he's learned from that experience but i think that uh, if in fact he wants to be trade the yankees everyone's going to wonder how will he adapt in the, in the first month that he would be in new york I have also heard, Buster, I don't know if you've heard this, that he um, was not best of friends with Machado and Tatis. It was not a happy triumvirate. Could that have played into the role that he didn't play that well at the beginning? You know, I, I think that's a, it, it's a little, uh, it, I think it's a little overstated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I've seen that out there, that he's not a good team. I don't, I don't agree with that. I mean, based on everything I've heard, people I've talked to, I think he's a good team. I think that there was this absolute, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes battle going on with his representation with Scott, with the Padres, about where he would hit the lineup. When I talked to Soto early in the year, he made it clear he was more comfortable hitting third. The Padres' preference early on was that he bat second, where you'd have Tatis and then Soto, and, and I think that rubbed some of the others who were involved the wrong way. Uh, but I don't think that was a case where, you know, Soto's walking in every day and being a clubhouse lawyer. 
I just think there was some disagreement about how that particular situation was handled. Well, I had never heard that he was a bad bad teammate. I had just heard that he didn't get along with Tatis and didn't get along with Machado. So I don't know. I mean, that was when the Padres were in town. I was hearing whispers from people that you know that Melvin yeah. didn't even get along with them either. And now Melvin's in San Francisco. There had to be something to that. Well, and, I, and as I say, I think that there was, and I know this, that there was a behind-the-scenes uh, you know, where Scott, representing his client, made very clear to the Padres, look, he's comfortable as a number three hitter, and that did rub some of his teammates the wrong way. Where they mm-hmm. felt like, hey, what difference does it make when you're talking about Xander Bogarts and you know Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado? Let's just line up the way Bob feels uh, that we should, as opposed to uh, you know Soto behind the scenes having having uh, Scott reach out to the Padres and, and try to uh, you know adjust that. I really do think that that wouldn't be a factor with the Yankees because Judge you know is a is a natural leader and I think he and and uh, Soto would work out whatever issues they you know that maybe he may have had in San Diego. All right, let's talk about Yamamoto. Uh, you know, it looks like the Yankees are the only team or one of the few teams that can take on. Uh, Soto, but everybody seems like they want Yamamoto. So when does that get resolved, and who's he going to? So he, his, it's definitely not going to be resolved in Nashville. He's going to be meeting with teams after the winter meetings. Uh, executives I talked to, all the teams that are involved, all think it's going to be a while uh, for that process to play out. And this is going to be utterly fascinating because he has every big market team involved. The Dodgers, you know, having lost so much starting pitching, it would be an uncertainty about whether or not Clayton Kershaw is going to pitch for them again. They desperately need a starting pitcher. You know, the Mets, that's clearly their focus this winter. And uh, Yamamoto is a 25-year-old. would be perfect as they build forward. And then the Yankees. Uh, you know, every time Brian Cashman has been backed into a corner, his he, natural reflexes to pull a lever for pitching. He did it with CC Sabathia after 2008. Did it with Garrett Cole, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I, I so I think they're all in, and I know in some corners of the Yankees organization, they feel like they have a real shot. I will tell you that uh, team executives, agents, uh, rival agents who are not involved in this, they all believe that it's going to come down to who puts out the biggest offer. And in our lifetime, I find this to be totally fascinating. We have never seen a situation between the Yankees and the Mets where two teams, both teams, are going hard after the same guy. There have been times when the Yankees are up. There have been times when the Mets are up, when you know, one team goes after you know, one big free agent. But we, we've never seen the two teams absolutely go all out to get the same guy, which is why I think in the end, whatever the number is, it's going to be the second biggest number in free agent history with Garrett Cole, of course, being number one at 324. I think Yamamoto, having all these big market teams involved means the price is going to just go way beyond where anyone expected. So what's Cohen's thinking? Is it apprehensive to spend money after what happened last year with Verlander and Scherzer, or does he double down financially because of it? Yeah, I think that he's going to listen to David Stearns. And here's my big question about this. You know, Bloom went to take on take over the Red Sox coming from the Tampa Bay Rays. And when you talk with folks there, you know, especially with the benefit of 2020 hindsight, the, the feeling was is that he was never comfortable being someone who was out there spending huge dollars. 
that he didn't have the you know the sense for the jugular to say, okay, I, I am going to go all out and I'm going to dole out the biggest contract. I think that's the big question about David Stearns as we move forward. You know, he hasn't been in a position where he's been able to say, uh, you know, give out a contract for two hundred seventy-five million for dollars for a starting pitcher. Will he start to fill the thin air, getting up at a number that high, or will he be aggressive? I don't know the answer to that, but to me, it's one of the big X factors in, in the whole negotiation with Yamamoto because he is perfect for every team. You just don't see free agent pitchers at twenty-five with that kind of talent available. It's an early test for David Stearns, maybe an early indication of, uh, you know, exactly where he wants to go with his payroll. Maybe the is Mets. There, I'm sorry, Peter. Please go ahead. No, no, but Buster, I was going to say, is back to the Yankees for a second. Is is there a version of this offseason that doesn't involve Soto Yamamoto, a huge name that you think could still be impactful slash satisfy this fan base, or does it have to be a major splash? That's the only path here. Well, Peter, I think you know better than I do because <laughs> you're talking with fans every day. You know, my perception is is that they're under a lot of pressure, you know, and and they're are they're answering to a lot of angry fans. I think that probably was a lot of what uh, was behind Brian Cashman at the you know at the GM meetings a, a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I do think there's a lot on their shoulders, and I I, I think that uh, it's. It's going to drive some of the decisions they make this going this winter. You know, they could go out and, and I'm just pulling names out. Let's say Lucas Giolito. Uh, you know, he's available for to, to sign. Uh, you could go out and, and maybe sign some. You know, Kevin Kiermaier, somebody like that. That's not going to satisfy this fan base right now. They want to see the Yankees go out and make big moves. And they're at least in a position right now where it looks like they're going to have opportunities to do that. Why aren't the Mets in on Soto? Maybe they're not a match because they don't have young pitching that that major league ready. But this, I've heard things are not in because they're not ready to win. It doesn't make sense. I mean, this should be a thing where Steve Cohen can open the wallet and actually sign him. Well, why wouldn't the Mets be in on Soto? Yeah, and I think that's a it's a fair question. I think you had the right answer. They're not a great match for the Padres in terms of what San Diego's looking for. Uh, you know, San Diego right now is only two veteran starters. They got to throw fill three spots on the cheap, <laughs> and so the Yankees actually, with some of the guys they have, you know, there's an opportunity there. The Mets, on the other hand, don't have that kind of pitching. I agree with you. Like the idea that the Mets are going to go into this full-on rebuild. When you're talking about Pete Alonso and his walk year, and Francisco Lindor, and some of the other veterans they have on this team, Sanga, who. You know, there's a perception that he's, you know, potentially a candidate as time goes on to have some arm trouble that scared some teams away before he signed as a free agent last year. They're, st- I mean, shoot, they're two years removed, two seasons removed from winning 101 games. Uh, I could, you could easily see the Mets rebounding mm. with the right moves. I just don't think they're necessarily, uh, you know, they're well suited unless they got a third team involved to make a trade with San Diego. Where do we stand with Alonzo in a contract? Uh, I think they are a million miles apart. Um, you know that uh, I know. You know the question is: Will uh, you know? Will Steve Cohen? Will the Mets uh, match uh, Pete's? You know Scott Boris's uh, vision of what Pete should be paid because it's very different than what recent industry standards are. You know the shortstops 
the, the center fielders get paid. Starting pitchers get paid. Historically, first basemen haven't gotten paid as much. I mean, look at Freddie Freeman. You know, the, the guys every year hit 320, and he became a free agent, and the Atlanta Braves offered him, I think, what, $135, $140 million was their last offer. And when you factor in deferred money and state tax, he got less money to sign with the Dodgers. You know, that's the same range that Paul Goldschmidt got. It certainly seems like Scott wants more, you know, in the $200 million range. That seems to be the signals that are being sent out. Uh, and I and I do wonder, you know, does David Stearns, who I think has been so successful in his career following the numbers, following the markets, does he go out and step out for a really popular homegrown player like Pete? Buster only is our guest. Before we let you go, Buster, if the Yankees don't do the Soto deal, if something goes wrong, do they go after Bellinger? Is that their next step? Or could they go after Bellinger and Soto? I can't imagine them doing both just because of the limits of the payroll mm-hmm. uh, with Stanton, with Judge, with Garrett Cole, maybe with Yamamoto as well. Um, you know, I am going to be curious to see if they're going to be willing to pivot to spend uh, on Cody in, in the way that, you know, he's earned. Uh, it, it, I, I, can't, I can't tell you for sure that they wouldn't do both. My guess is they wouldn't just because they have so many other stresses within their payroll. Good stuff, Buster. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the winter meetings. All right, guys. Take All right, care. That, that's Buster only. Good stuff on the on the winter meetings coming up Monday in Nashville. We'll be all over that as well. Empire Outlets on Staten Island is the place to be this holiday season for your ultimate shop and dine experience. Empire Outlets are located steps from the Staten Island Ferry, easily accessible to all New York City and New Jersey residents. Don't miss their free annual holiday tree lighting at 7 p.m. tomorrow night, December 2nd, with live performances, cozy bites, and an appearance by Santa Claus. Yep, the big guy is there. Visit EmpireOutlets.myc and follow on Instagram at EmpireOutlets.myc to learn more about what Empire Outlets is offering this holiday season. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Well, that's awesome. Looking for more access to the show? That's right, man. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TMKS ESPN. Well, Paul Fridays on 98.7 ESPN are brought to you by Nissan. Get ready to unwrap this season's greatest gift, the savings at the Nissan Thrill of the Drive sales event. Starting the heart-pumping Nissan lineup. Better hurry. These offers won't be back in stock. Hey, let me give something away. I mean, let's get into the holiday spirit. Sebastian Maniscalco coming to uh, Madison Square Garden on Wednesday, September 18th and Thursday, September 19th. That's uh, next year, 2024. Be caller number 108 right now at 888-987-ESPN, and you'll score a pair of tickets. It's brought to you by Live Nation. Tickets are on sale right now at Ticketmaster.com. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. Sebastian Maniscalco will join us at 415 on Tuesday. So we look forward to that. Now, guys, have you made your picks in your head yet, or are you still ruminating? No, I'm right. They're written down, ready to go. You got them. You know me. Mine are not written, but I have... Two I felt very strongly about and was, was picking, thinking about a third. Pick them. I'm going to, but it's not time yet. And we have Joe Fortenbaugh at 5.30 today. The fart mm. now. And uh, he'll, he might lead us. He might help us along the way if we're a little, you know, hesitant on a pick or two. I've already got one point in the bank, and I'm proud That's of that. right. Should be. I should be, right? I mean, I mean not really, no. 
Well, you got Don, it. say how you really feel. He shouldn't be proud. He should be embarrassed. Well, I mean, he, he should be proud of the pick, but the uh, allocation uh, he should be ashamed of. Well, you're a big three-point Thursday guy. I'm not. Well, because that's what it, that's well, he has a standalone guts. game. He has cojones. Mm-hmm. Well, you you like you like the Cowboys yesterday. You didn't even make a pick. So who who, no. who likes cojones? No, no, no. See, you know, Don. It, it's sometimes Michael, for such a smart, successful man, you embarrass yourself on your own program. Because <laughs> I obviously didn't like them that much. That's why I didn't take them. I liked yeah. them, but I but, but I you you, you, de- you derided me for liking the Seahawks. I said I thought it was crazy to be interested in the Seahawks, given where the Cowboys have been. Right, so then but, you like the Cowboys, am I right? I'm, I'm just yeah, breaking it down you. for the people. But what you do is you, you make your picks based on, you know, theoretical ideas. And, oh, well, since, you know, uh, the, the you had your little Pete Carroll story you told. and Yeah, how'd it work you out? Know, it worked out fine, but my guess is you read it or heard it somewhere. It, it, it's not your gut. You know what I mean? You're not, a, you're not a guy. Like, you make fun of me because the pick segment comes, and sometimes I'm still figuring it out. But you know what I'm doing, Don? I'm slinging it. I'm just slinging it around yeah, you, in the backyard. That, that you know is, what I mean? That's a perfect definition of what you do. You sling I it. Get, I get back there, and I just sling that thing around. And um, listen, it doesn't always work out. You get an 0-3 every once in a while. But you trust your gut, and you do the best you can. And I really hope I meet someone who goes, Peter... I've been betting with you all season, and I'm up 50 large. I, that's what I want to find. <laughs> That'd be great. And don't you think that if that person had bet so much money following Peter Rosenberg that he should be institutionalized? He or she should be institutionalized. Well, no, Michael. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with that assessment because they could have said, I've been watching what's been going on the last couple of years, right. and it seemed like a logical thing to do. And I, I, I saw what you did the first few weeks. I mean, I got out to a huge lead early. It would have made sense to jump on board, and you'd still be, you know what you'd have in your your money right now, in your pocket? You'd have cold, hard American cash. That's right. That's what you, you're, If you were going, if you just bet every game that I bet this year, Michael, this isn't, this isn't rocket science. You would feel very, very good about the money in your pocket. 2014 and two. That's money in your pocket. That's a gift for grandma. You know, that's tuition for, for Jane. You're really special. I, I don't know if I tell you enough. Uh, you don't, because you're still sitting at 17, 18, and one. That's that's not money in your pocket. That's Is that money with yesterday's the... win? I don't think that's true. No, I think I'm 18, no, you're right. You know what? Congratulations. Welcome to 500. Yeah, you played yourself, didn't you? And you And you've tied Don in points, too. How about that? Well, but Don has a game in hand, though, so I'm not really tied. He has a game to make that up. Good point. And I'll be happy in an hour. You're very nasty, Peter. You're a nasty man, just like 45 would say. Uh, (laughs) Did I say anything nasty, Don? Yeah, you're just very very nasty. That's not true. I don't agree. You know, and it's very unfair what's happened. Multiple people today treated very unfairly, like my good friend George Santos. Bad day for George. Bad day for the the four five. I don't like what you're saying, Michael. It's fake news. So he's nasty for defending himself. 
I, I didn't. I didn't rip him. He ripped me first. So I said, you know what? If you if you thought it was such a bad pick, why don't you pick the Cowboys? I didn't like the Cowboys, but I didn't like the Seahawks. So if you don't like the Seahawks, you had to like the Cowboys. You, you, it can't be lukewarm. Yeah, if you hated the, the Seahawks as a pick, then but, you had to love the Cowboys. Right, as a but pick. that doesn't mean you love the game. If you had to pick it, I didn't love the Cowboys. Thus, I didn't pick it. So you, then the you re- had no right to to actually rip me for picking the Seahawks if you didn't love the Cowboys. Well, all that Don and I feel is that if you want to step out and be bold on a Thursday, you, you lift your stuff up, you right. reach on down, you, gra- you scoop it all up, and you just drop it right on the table. Mm-hmm. Lift Three it up points. and show this, it. See, to this them. is the way I I try to be less graphic. This is the way I look at it on Thursday. It's like it, it's like you're going to a nudist colony when everybody else goes, but on Thursday you're standing alone, and you'd be proud. And you play through. <laughs> Don, uh, Peter, why, why don't you why don't you have yourself a drink and tell everybody about it? Lay well, right down there on the table. I did not think of it as standing nude alone before anyone else was nude, but it's a great way to verse. It. It's like yeah, it's anybody can stand on the beach naked. It's another thing to stand out there naked with fifty other naked people. And you decided but, to play the one point play, which means you weren't proud of your stuff. But when 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 everyone else is wearing a suit and you're stark naked, now that's something. That, that's Jack a three Daniels. Point play to me. Jack Daniels has always made great whiskey, and they always will. But one thing Jack can't make more of is moments. Those are on us to create. New York football fans, we only get one shot at this thing called life, so let's make sure we're making the most of every moment. Jack Daniels is giving you and your friends the chance to have the ultimate tailgate experience. I'm very excited about this, by the way. It's during the NFL playoffs, and it's hanging out with me, Peter Rosenberg. That's right. We're going to sip Jack Daniels together. We're going to watch playoff football. It's going to be a time. Visit jacksultimatetailgateexperience.com to enter. Jack Daniels, make it count. Jack Daniels and old number seven are registered trademarks. Please drink responsibly. Don right here to tell you about my friends at Bath Fitter. They remodeled my mom's bath, did an awesome job. Process was easy. One expert installer, even with the customization she needed for a cast iron tub. It was done in one day with no demolition or mess. It's beautiful, permanent solution, high quality. Bath Fitter provides a lifetime guarantee. Three million happy customers like my mom for a limited time. Save 10% up to $500 on complete Bath Fitter tub and wall system. So start designing your bath today at bathfitterdesign.com. There's only one Bath Fitter. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hear more of Michael, Don, and Peter live weekday afternoon starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York. The ESPN app, the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker. Hey Alexa, play 98.7 ESPN.